Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 142 is entitled Temporal Law versus Spiritual Law, Part 2. In Part 1 of Temporal Law versus Spiritual Law, I focused on science. Because science rejects spiritual law and intelligent design and draws all of its conclusions from temporal law, they rely entirely upon the concept of an accidental universe. Logic is a peculiar thing. We tend to think if we are logical, we are also right. Science prides itself upon logic. It puts the scientific method above all other forms of reasoning. The scientific method serves science well in practical science, for temporal laws are based upon the principle of causality, thus making it possible to make predictions. Scientists are temporal prophets, living exclusively in a temporal world. But logic has no more value than the truth of its major premise. If the major premise is wrong, then regardless of accuracy of the logical structure, the conclusions will be false, regardless of appearances. Practical science is perfectly safe in a temporal world and will continually correct itself. Practical science is great for creating useful gadgets. Theoretical science, however, which wears the cloak of practicality, assuming authority where it has none, flounders in a world of uncertainty while claiming scientific evidence. It is theoretical science that is the cause of most confusion in our world. It is theoretical science that is frequently guilty of false analogy comparing man to animals or comparing man to machine. From that, they draw the false conclusion that we have no free will, even in the face of the appearance of free will. False analogy inevitably invites people to deny facts in favor of theory, such as the existence of intelligent design. Theoretical science is constantly having to apologize for the fact that we have the appearance of free will, that we have the appearance of intelligent design, and that we have the appearance of miracles. It must explain away why so many millions of people believe in God, why so many have deeply spiritual experiences, why religion won't go away, why so many have seen visions, have had revelations. Even if a very large group of people share a vision, science claims it is mass hysteria. When prayers are answered, science claims it is coincidence. They will come up with any excuse to avoid acknowledgement of the existence of God. They even use the laws of God to explain why God is unnecessary. Practical science sees natural selection and evolution as a law of nature to guarantee the survival of the species. It also explains why we have such a variety within a species. Science is at its best when it stays within the confines of the scientific method. However, theoretical science uses evolution to argue against the existence of God, which is another classical non-sequitur. If God uses evolution for his wise purposes, what is that to science? The discovery of DNA, one of the greatest evidences of intelligent design, is also used by theoretical science to argue that God is not necessary. It is like the young man who fell over a cliff and cried out to God, Help me, Lord, please save me. Suddenly he is caught on a limb and he says, Never mind, Lord, I did it myself. The list is endless. Violating any laws of probability, Theoretical science claims that the Goldilocks zone, the necessary constants, the origin of life, and so on, are the result of chance in a world of infinite improbabilities. Theoretical science must continually scramble with every new discovery of practical science to explain away common sense. 
In this podcast, I express a greater concern. Theoretical science has filtered down into our government, our society, our universities, even our elementary schools and our churches, and using pseudoscience and the theories of men rather than the truths of practical science. It is leading our nation further and further down the road to social, moral, and spiritual destruction. For example, as the science of evolution capitulated to the theory of evolution, the sacredness of human life began to be disregarded. To abort a human being has no more meaning in today's society than to abort an animal. Fetuses are reduced to medical tissue. and comparing man to animals, science has diminished man to animals, denying him a divine birthright and free will. Therefore, he is to be treated as an animal. Think for a minute how that denies one of the fundamental tenets of our democracy. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It denies that truths are self-evident. It denies that we are created by God. It denies that God endowed us with certain unalienable rights. And for millions and millions of the unborn, it denies the right to life. It denies the right to liberty. And it denies the right to the pursuit of happiness. Many are pushing for partial birth abortion. Some even argue that abortionists should be allowed to kill an undesirable baby after it is born. Euthanasia will be the next topic. Euthanasia is inevitable if we follow our present course. It is already practiced in subtle forms through Obamacare and controlled medicine. Elderly people face serious discrimination in health care. A hospital in Asheville, North Carolina, sent my brother, who was over 80 and was stricken with COVID, home from the hospital without offering any care. Had another hospital not accepted him, he would have died. In the hospital, he coded out and his family were called in. He survived and recovered only because he finally received proper health care. To eliminate a race, the first thing you must do is to dehumanize all members of that race, whether it is the unborn, the elderly, the disabled, or sickly, or any other race deemed undesirable. The theory of evolution has been used to dehumanize man and put him on the level of animals. They now accept as fact that we descended from monkeys. Therefore, we are of no more significance than monkeys. Theoretical science uses the similarities but ignore the differences between man and monkey. How do they account for the differences? Accident, of course, though we are as different from monkeys as lightning is from the lightning bug, to borrow an image from Mark Twain. We accept as proof that which is theory only, and a very tenuous theory at that, but it has social implications. We are moving entirely away from the Ten Commandments, which is the law of liberty, toward a new world order based on false premises derived from designing men who deliberately use unproven science to advance their own political agenda. They have convinced our nation and teaching their theories as facts in our schools to unprepared youth. Who could have guessed that adults dressed as school teachers or social workers would encourage children to change their sex through irreversible medical procedures? Who could have predicted their institutions of learning from kindergarten to Ivy League universities would turn away from teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic and become propaganda machines for the left, along with the press and social media? It is from the abuse of science that the following are gaining popularity in America. Critical race theory. Gender is a choice. Fossil fuels will destroy the world. Global warming. Anti-marriage 
anti-family, atheism, there is no free will, there are no consequences for our actions, there are no absolute moral standards, we are not responsible for our behavior, we are not responsible for who we become. The natural man focuses only on natural law. From natural law, they draw all of their conclusions about God, origins of man, and free will. To acknowledge only natural law leads to assumptions based on false analogy and will always lead to atheism, agnosticism, and determinism. For example, the theory of evolution, a fact of science, is dependent entirely upon natural law and teaches us nothing about the origins of life, the immortal spirit, pre-existence, or life after death. Anyone who draws their conclusions about man only from natural law must restrict their inferences and assumptions to entropy. For that reason, the divine creator referred to in our Declaration of Independence has by atheists been replaced with Charles Darwin, chance, big bang, uncertainty, aliens, accident, and evolution. As Christians, we do not rely solely on natural law, though common sense dictates that we learn everything about practical science that we can for we live in mortal bodies and are tethered to terra firma, though only for a short time. However, we do not draw all of our conclusions merely from practical science. As we have a physical body after the likeness of God, we have a spiritual body created by God in the image of God. We are subject to the natural world, but as Peter said, we have a divine nature. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Second Peter 1, 3-4 Spiritual man focuses on both natural law and spiritual law. The two sets of laws are each absolute and divinely orchestrated. Natural laws, the laws that govern this world, such as the laws of gravity and thermodynamics, which are deterministic, cannot be violated as we know. Entropy is a fact of nature. Obedience to temporal law gives us temporal freedom, technology being a prime example. Spiritual laws, such as the Ten Commandments, however, give us our agency and free will, for they can be broken, but not without serious consequences to freedom. All mortal things are subject to deterministic laws. The more we understand temporal law, the more freedom we have in a temporal world, because all laws have conditions. It is the same with spiritual law. The more we understand spiritual law, the more agency we have. Freedom through natural law gives us a multiplicity of choices that go from good, better, and best, or from bad to worse. Spiritual law gives us choices between good and evil. All laws are of God. All laws are governed by the unconditional law of justice. All laws assigned to our sphere are absolute. All laws have boundaries, and all laws have conditions. It is in the conditions where we find freedom. Though obvious overlap occurs, mortal laws have temporal consequences, but spiritual laws have spiritual consequences. Temporal laws are of this earth ruled by entropy. Spiritual laws transcend all dimensions and are ruled by the law of justice and the laws of mercy. We are both mortal and immortal beings and must answer to the law according to the conditions we choose to follow. That is why it is by our works that we are judged. 
As with scientists, we must use critical thinking and logic in solving our problems. The mind allows us the powers of inductive and deductive reasoning by which we can discover the mysteries of the universe. Those who trust in feelings but ignore the mind are out to be led down sentimental paths to a cotton candy paradise that has no nutritional value either to the body or to the spirit. Those who trust in the mind but ignore the heart are apt to be led down dark paths filled with maximum equilibrium and a giant heat death. We have a mind. We have a heart. We have eyes, ears, touch, taste, and smell. We have feelings too deep for language. We have revelations, dreams, inspirations, holy scriptures, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We have intuition, happy accidents, divinely orchestrated coincidences. We have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and multitudinous gifts of God. As Peter said, we are mortals with a divine nature. We are more than the sum of our parts. As long as we live in mortality, we will be subject to mortal laws. However, when we leave this mortal world, mortal laws no longer apply. A resurrected being no longer subject to entropy cannot die. Therefore, we will only be subject to spiritual laws, a thing that science cannot comprehend. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 22, 5. We have a choice whether or not to obey spiritual law. Natural law is never disobeyed and recognizes no remorse and accepts no excuses. We may disregard a natural law, but we cannot disregard its consequences. Natural law will reward you with life or death, sickness or health, happiness or misery without judgment, and with the same dispassionate measure. Obedience to spiritual law brings blessings. The judgment of God rests with spiritual law, for therein lies our agency. We cannot be judged by the laws of nature after mortality, but we can be judged by the Ten Commandments or by the other laws of Christ, for they are eternal. Disregard for temporal law may lead to earthly misery, but disobedience to spiritual law, when unrepented of, may bring eternal captivity. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he that is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work shall be. Revelation 22, 11-12 In temporal law we have freedom, but only in spiritual law can we have agency. The Ten Commandments are all spiritual laws and not temporal laws, and no law is arbitrary. The crucifixion of Christ had no effect on natural law. The crucifixion of Christ only had a bearing on spiritual law. Having died for our sins, Christ preserved our agency by making repentance possible. Without the principle of repentance, agency could not exist. Because the law of justice is absolute, unalterable, and eternal, the law of mercy had to be absolute, unalterable, and eternal, subject to the conditions placed upon it by the law of justice. Christ died for our sins. Sin is nothing but disobedience to law, that we may keep our agency forever. Because of the atonement of Christ, it is only for the deliberate violation of spiritual laws that we will be judged. We will not be held accountable for actions over which we have no control. There is no greater gift than the gift of repentance. Physics heals the body temporarily, 
But repentance, because of the eternal sacrifice of Christ, heals the soul for eternity. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.